everybody and welcome back to another episode of your favorite podcast about new metal this is the pod cast this is episode number 29 i'm john and with me is a man who is crawling in the dark looking for the answer it's brian quinby hey hey what's up notice how my voice sounds really good now just for people that aren't listening i i am sick but like i sounded real bad a minute ago but now i i sound good so you sound you sound better yeah you sound better than when you first got on the mic here because we yeah we were supposed to uh sorry we're a little late this month we were supposed to get this done last week and then brian was under the weather and i had to do some uh curling commentary so i was busy brian was sick and so we we had to delay it, and then when you got on the mic tonight, I was like, "Oh, you're still pretty sick." But you, yeah, I agree. You're sounding better now. You, you said you're you're finally starting to feel like you're rounding the bend a little bit here. Yes, yes, I do. I f- I feel like I'm I'm coming out of the out on the other side of this thing, and hopefully, uh, it'll be very good when I'm done, and I'll just feel like a big, powerful, strong man again, which. I don't feel like right now, but I could still probably whip some people's asses. So don't get any ideas out there. Okay. Yeah, I, w- I won't. I wasn't good thinking okay. like, oh, finally, Brian's a little <laughs> weak. I'm going to fly down to Columbus and kick his ass. <laughs> Time to whip Brian's ass. Time I to know. finally whip Brian's ass. <laughs> well, you never know. The listeners could be thinking that. That's true. I gave, I gave a bad review to an album that they really enjoyed. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like, uh, you know, for, for having a new metal podcast, people don't disagree with us that much. Or if they do, they don't tell us about it. Like, I was worried, like, because to me, new metal sort of occupies that same kind of space as, like, video games and wrestling, where, like, podcasts about those things, you get a lot of people who, you know, they could, they like to voice their opinion and they like to tell you that your opinion is wrong. And somehow we've like cultivated this very cool listener base that like, even if they disagree with us, they seem to either they disagree with us respectfully or they don't say anything because I don't (laughs) think we've ever had anybody just like rip us apart on Twitter and be like, you guys are fucking morons and you don't know. And this album is the greatest thing that's ever been made or or whatever, you know, like it's kind of strange almost. I think I was expecting more of it when we started this show. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, people have like a lot of uh, what's the word? Um sort of distance from new metal, which probably helps them to not get super angry because some guy whose podcast they listened to didn't like an album from 25 years ago or however long. I guess that's true. Yeah. I didn't really think about the time, but I, yeah, you're right. That probably is a factor for sure. It's probably also a factor that like, if you're a fan of new metal, you're already getting shit on. So it's like, what, yeah. what, el- what else could anyone <laughs> say that would surprise you? It's not like uh, if I said, you know, the orgy album was bad or whatever, that that's the first time people are ever hearing that opinion. <laughs> You're like also kind of older, probably. There's not like, I, I don't think like 17 year olds are listening to new metal as much as we would hope and wish and pray for that to start happening. I do not think 
that they are getting into new metal. So like if you're, you know, even 25, 30, uh, uh, you're, you don't get mad when people don't like your shit, unless it's like Spider-Man or something like that. Then you get all mad when people are like, I don't think Spider-Man is citizen Kane. Right. Um, you fucking have to start screaming about it. for four days. <laughs> yeah, that, that is true for sure. And I, I know, cause we brought this up on a past episode where we were sort of wondering if anyone, listening to the show was young. Like we were like, Oh, there can't be anybody listening to the show. That's like, you know, in their early twenties or whatever. And I told people, I was like, if you are, you know, I think it was under 25 or under 23 or whatever it was. I said, and you're listening to our show, like shout us out on Twitter. And I think like three people were like, Oh yeah. Like I'm, yeah, I'm 19 or whatever. Oh yeah. Yeah. That that's why. And, and like, even if you were, it's like, you're not gonna, I don't think you would feel you do you think like if you were nineteen? I guess if you were nineteen, if I was nineteen, I would just be like, "Guess what? You two were fucking old." You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm, it I wouldn't even have youth be ahead of me. I'm not going to die as early as you. Yeah, so. yeah, that would be definitely the slam dunk. Like we couldn't really say anything to them <laughs> if we if we said we didn't like an album that they liked. They'd be like, "Yeah, well, whatever, you old bitch." Like that's what I yeah. do. I'm 36, and when like 60 year olds you know, try to say a uh, disagree with me or something. That's what I'm just like, Oh, you old bitch. You had to fuck, fuck you. You know? Yeah. That's what you gotta do, man. If uh, you gotta do what you got, you gotta work with what you got when you're young. That's what you got. Because like, they're, they're like, Hey, uh, Brian, they're, they're like, I wish I was older so I could like buy beer or whatever. But they know that we're all like, I wish I was younger. So I wasn't going to die soon (laughs) yeah yeah exactly so yeah there's really when you're young there's really not a whole lot of things that you that you don't have going for you yeah it's like you can't drink maybe you can't drive depending on what age you are you can't get into bars like that was a big one for for us for me like wanting to go to concerts and then they were at like you know they were at uh, in canada 19 plus venues that's got to suck in the States. You got to wait until you're 21 to go to some shows. That's got to really hurt. Uh, most of them are 18. I think like shows like there are shows that, that take place in bars, but a lot of times they'll let people in, but most places are 18 and up and or all ages that any, most stuff comes into, but yeah, there are bars that are like 21 and up and you're like, I'm sorry, man, you can't really come. I mean, we've had fans of street fight, have us sneak them in to our own live shows because they couldn't get in. Right. So we have them carry stuff like, like we're in some kind of an old comedy movie trying to sneak backstage like <laughs> Wayne's world or something. They're your, they're the roadies for a podcast tour. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that we did you that. always hear about. <laughs> yep. Yep. We had them bring in uh t-shirts and stuff. If they come in with you, then they don't get carded. Right. So, right. You know, that's, that's what g- me and Brett are geniuses. You know, way we're gonna, there's simply we'll, no, no question. You guys are geniuses. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, no, it, it's just, I guess I remember cause 21 is such a, I, I think in Canada, it's actually more of a thing cause 19 isn't like that old, you know, like it feels like most people or not, I shouldn't say most, but a lot of people don't really 
go to concerts until they're around 19 anyway. Like, you know, you start going when you're 16, 17. You only got to wait a couple years. So I feel like it's maybe not as much of a thing as waiting until 21. Because I can remember I've been to shows in Seattle where they're in a bar, but they'll, they'll split the venue in half. So it's like if you're below 21, you have to be on this side. They'll put like a barricade <laughs> down the middle. And then they're like, if you're under 21, you got to stay on this side. And there's no alcohol sales on that side of the fence. And then the other side of the fence, there's like the bar or whatever where you can get drinks, which like I don't even think I think that would be against the law in Canada. Um, but in the States, I've definitely been to shows that have done that. I've never seen something like that. That is maybe the worst possible way to do it. I'm, I'm good on them, you know? Yeah. Because yeah. I can't think of anything worse than like, oh, yeah, we just split the bar in half for the people that work there that are trying to make sure that shit, you, oh, that yeah. people don't get in and stuff, don't drink and stuff. It's like got to be impossible to do that when the place is just split in two. Yeah. I know. Yeah, it's weird. I remember Numo's doing that in Seattle and also the show box in South downtown. I remember <laughs> doing that as well. So yeah, it's, it's definitely strange and um, yeah, you know, whatever. If you're, if you're underage listening to this show, congratulations. We think, yeah. you're, we think you're cool, even though we are old. Yeah. You need a fake ID. Get yourself a fake ID so you can stand on the drinking side of the, uh, <laughs> of the uh, fence. venue. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, Brian, before we get into uh, the album we're covering today, uh, some big news, some big news in the world of new metal. You know, we're, we, we don't really get in the business necessarily of talking about news or trying to be topical on this show. But given how much we've talked about this person lately and that we have specifically talked about their relationship to Twitter in the past, uh, some big news this week. David Draymond is back. He's back on yeah, Twitter, he Brian. He's back in I the know. zone. And he is uh, he's already as unhinged as you would think uh, as you would think. Yeah, somebody um, messaged me or somebody tagged me in one of his earliest tweets uh, when he had like 400 followers and he wasn't verified yet. And I was like, I am I will. This is fake until further notice, because I just there was I, I didn't understand why he had 400 followers. I didn't understand why he couldn't just open his old account back up or any of that stuff. Like, I couldn't figure out why he did it the way he did it. And also. Yeah. <sighs> His profile picture is fucking bad, man. Like, oh it yeah, looks it like is really it, bad. It looks like he's fucking trying to get sex on on Twitter. Like, it looks like one of those accounts that like you click on and it says like I'm beating off to you to like models and stuff like that. Yeah, like he looks yes. like that. Like, put a shirt on when you when you make a profile picture. If you're not fucking a wrestler or like a weightlifter, put a fucking shirt on, dude. Yeah, he's so yeah, I'll just describe it. He he's he's shirtless. He looks really high or tired or both. Uh and then he is giving the metal horns uh to the camera and it's it's just too close to his face as well. Like it's yeah. too much of a like sort of Tinder like bad Tinder picture. Exactly. Um, yeah, it's just not a good vibe and you're right. It totally has the the feel of of that type of guy. Like I have a, a friend from high school who 
has a locked Twitter account, but will reply to porn stars. And I'm like, that's really the dream right there. He's, <laughs> it's like, he's not only reply, he's just replying to porn stars. So his friends can see it. Uh, the, they can't, they can't. So, um, so well, yeah, it's, it's very, very good stuff. Yeah. That's actually, that's a smart move. Actually. I'm going to, I would probably, <laughs> I'm going to go private and reply to some porn stars. Yeah. I don't, I think the picture that he has is from a video he made on YouTube about the, the, his wellness journey when it came to m- marijuana. And I think that picture is from that video. Cause I watched the video and it looks exactly he's sitting without a shirt on with the camera just a little bit far away and he's like pretty close and he's just talking about how weed you know how weed is good basically is is what he's doing so like oh yeah because he's an investor so of course now too this is this is the the thing i he lives in hawaii because like of course he does like he's totally the type of guy who you know, I don't know how old he is. I think he's like around 50. He turned like 45 and he's like, you know what? We've been talking about it forever. Why don't we just move to Hawaii? And so, yeah, so he lives in Honolulu, tweets about Hawaii a lot. And he's an investor in a cannabis company that's located in in Honolulu. Smart. And so I can tell you this. He joined, uh, pardon me, he joined nine days ago, Brian. And uh, he has 501 tweets. So uh, for those of you who are, you know, who know how to do that's that math, that's, uh, that's a lot. That's a lot, that's a lot yeah. of tweets. Yeah, that's almost 50 a day. Um, so and, and I should say it's not him writing all the tweets. It's a lot of retweets. Uh, and as Brian suggested, most of the retweets are either um, like charts and graphs that promote the like effectiveness of CBD or whatever. Um, <laughs> it's so it's like a lot of that stuff, like oh CBD is so good for you. It's better than like anything else you've ever done or seen in your entire life. You know, it's, it's the best. Um, and then the other stuff is his like Zionist uh, Israel defense forces type shit, um, like very pro Israel um, stuff. And it's, yeah. It's not, it's not good. I mean, I won't, I will, I won't say it's good, Brian. Right. But weed is cool. Guys like him always fucking screw weed up for, for everybody. Cause it's like, of course he's into weed and Zionism and it's like, well, I'm into weed and I'm a good boy. You know, this guy, he's, he makes us look bad as a, as a weed guy. Um, I don't like it, but yeah, he, uh, uh, he comes off as unhinged even in just the small sample size where I think he'll be gone in he two will. months. He won't be on for a year. I I'll, I'll say he will not be around for a year. I think that's a good prediction. Cause yeah, even cause you know, for those of you who maybe don't know, we, you know, obviously we've talked about him a lot in the show, but when he was on Twitter before he was extremely unhinged, like he would block, he blocked like hundreds and thousands of people. He would, he'd reply to you. Like if you pissed him off, like he would reply to you all caps. He'd like get into shouting matches with people on Twitter, like guaranteed if POD cast happened five years ago when he had Twitter, he would have name searched, saw that we did episodes about him, maybe even listened to them. He would have yelled at us like whatever. 
And so he's even acknowledging this past in his bio, which is like whenever you have to, whenever you have to put this out on your bio, you're not staying. Like you, you're just not staying. So this is bio front man of disturbed dot, 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 older, wiser, no more caps, no bullshit. LOL. So, I mean, if you're the front man of disturbed, you should use cap. Like you can use caps if you fucking want to. You could do caps, lowercase caps, lowercase cat. You could do that. Your lead singer fucking disturbed, dude. Tweet how you want to tweet. However, makes you feel good, David Draymond. But he knows people were making fun of him. All the time. All the time. And uh, so he changed his behavior, which leads me to believe uh, if he, you know, ever heard what we do, he'd just stop talking. He would just like never talk again and only sing. Well, that's what we make fun of for him. Well, I mean, I'll get to this, Brian, but, um, you know, so you and I had been talking today because I just found out today that he was back on Twitter. You and I had been chatting about it. Um, and then I went to, I was already on, like, I have a couple different Twitters that I run. Obviously I have my own. I run the block party Twitter. Uh, I run the POD cast Twitter. So I was at the time when I went onto Twitter was logged into the POD cast Twitter account. And so I went to search cause I knew we were going to talk about David Draymond on the show. I went to search David Draymond from the POD cast account and I learned that <laughs> David Draymond has blocked the POD cast Twitter account. That means it somehow got to him. Yes, that we did something. And I don't I don't know what has gotten to him. I don't know if maybe he name searched and just saw us talking about disturbed and he got a uh, uh, maybe we called him dumb or something because we're not super mean on the Twitter account. But uh, I guess if we mention disturbed and then people are replying, those people would be kind of mean, probably. But I'm not blocked and you're not blocked. Yeah, I'm so not blocked personally, it, no. And our names are in the POD cast bio, too. Yeah, our, it, yeah, it's links to our Twitter. So he could have like done one more click and blocked both of us, but he didn't. So maybe yeah. that's what the growth is. I mean, my thought was I was talking to Josiah Hughes, our, our past guest. Obviously, we had him and Sam Sutherland on the episode where we watched uh, the disturbed video uh, there, the the rockumentary. And we we were really hard on David Draymond in, in that episode. So Josiah was like, <laughs> oh, my God, like he must have listened to the episode. Right. And I was like, I doubt he listened. Like we're mean enough to him in tweets, I think where he would probably have seen the POD cast Twitter and just thought like, oh yeah, these guys are kind of like, you know, these guys are probably saying mean shit about me. So I'm just going to block them. But I do love it's that. Weird, he came, though. I just, I do love that. He came back onto Twitter and uh, immediately name searched and started blocking people again. Like, I do think that is really cool. I really don't think he name searched, dude. I mean, you got to think about it like this, okay? Like, he is a part of a very small group of people, which is still successful new metal artists in 2022. If there is a podcast, which there are, to my knowledge, two of them that talk about new metal, I would assume that within that community... Somebody might know that it exists and maybe it got to him 
that we exist and that we've made I mean, jokes about that stuff because I just can't, I don't, again, name searching and then not blocking the two of us, especially if he was name searching me because I fucking make fun of him like crazy yeah, on Twitter. Yeah, that's true. You tweet about like, him I'm a lot. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I'm so like here's to him. Here's the, these are, so I just searched David Draymond. Here's the only times we've tweeted about him. And I think if he did do it off of a name search, it might be the last tweet I read that might have been why he blocked us. I don't know. Okay. So, so the first one is just the, the episode tweet for the, when we did the sickness. So I just wrote, uh, it's the debut that launched one of the lengthiest careers in new metal, but how we break down this quote, new metal, new metal elevator music for you. Plus David Draymond is a big time smart guy, capital S capital G. So that's not that's like, good. yeah, I don't think he would get too mad at that. And then, uh, for the, the bonus episode that we did with the blink One Fifty Five guys, I wrote, we're joined by the guys from One Fifty Five pod for one of the Uh-oh. craziest <laughs> documentaries put to tape groupies, bad jokes, and David Draymond hugging a pillow. So again, not super rude. Uh, and then someone wrote, uh, uh, so, so <laughs> this was from, uh, Nick at strenuous orb. There was a Kerrang article back in July, 2020 and David, it's just like a quote. It's got a picture of David Draymond and a quote disturbs David Draymond. Talking shit is the easiest thing in the world to do. You know, the hardest thing writing a hit record. Um, and then Nick quote tweeted that and just said, warning shots fired at the POD cast. And I said, <laughs> talking shit about David Draymond was really easy. It turns out. So again, still not that's super not too bad. That's not too bad. So this is maybe this is the last one. This is the one I maybe think did it. So uh so we tweeted the disturbed episode. Mutt replied, Hey guys, really hated listening to this one. Keep up the good work. Uh and then someone else had replied, and we now can't see their replies. They've locked their account, but I remember this. It was a woman who had been like, oh, you know, you guys were really rude to Disturbed and they're so great and you shit on David Draymond's style and he's like really cool, you know, whatever. And then I just wrote, hi, Patricia, we are actually cool. And if I sounded like David Draymond, I would put on one of his leather trench coats and walk into the ocean. (laughs) So that might have that might have been the one that did it. Yeah, yeah, I still. I just, if you search David Draymond, I mean, we, we will never be able to tell if you, because like our algorithm is set up to see that stuff like first, but I'm, I'm dude, I'm willing to bet if you search David Draymond from David Draymond's fucking Twitter, it probably would take a lot longer to get to whatever we said. That's true. It, and That's true. Yeah. You might be right. It, it's pot. Do you think there is? Okay. What percentage chance do you think there is that David Draymond has heard even one second of the disturbed POD cast episode we did? I mean, I don't think it's that crazy to think that. Um, I, I would err though on the side of, he hasn't heard a second, but, is in conversations with people who have heard of the POD cast and they know that we're kind of shitheads and, uh, but we're not really, I understand if you're listening to this, you're like, you guys aren't that mean, but it's like, if, 
you're the guy that made the stuff we're making fun of. It comes off like everything is like turned up a notch. So he maybe just, you know, again, just blocked us because he heard of us and uh, it, it pissed him off. You know, what would be a good test would be if we messaged Roach coach and asked mm. them if they're blocked by David Draymond, because yeah. I would assume they have more listeners than us. So maybe, yeah, maybe we yeah. figure that out. Do some, okay. you know, undercover yeah. work here. We'll do some work. I'll, I'll message Lauren and see. Um, do you want to read a few of his tweets since he's been back? Cause he's really, he's really had some good ones. Uh, you can read some of his tweets. I don't have it up. Right. I can't get okay. it up. I mean, that's, it's, doesn't you can't get it up. Like, <laughs> Hey, well, I did have COVID. They have a little thing called COVID dick, and uh, maybe I can't. I haven't tried because I've been sick, John. I've had. We're in a global fucking pandemic, and I, you know, I'm a victim of capitalism. So, no, yeah, you know, way to make fun of me. You can't spell dick without COVID. So, anyway, I that's not true. There's no K in COVID. I know. That's just, I mean, that could also be like a thing. There's no you in COVID. I right? remember. Because you never no, got it. That's true. I don't know. But I, if you're I, in I'm, Canada, if you're in Canada, it's spelled C-O-U-V-I-D. <laughs> yeah. So it's <laughs> duck. Dwick. I remember when I was a kid, one of the kid shows we watched, I think was produced in Quebec. And so they probably wouldn't have had like Dick as like a you know, a swear or not a swear, but like a word for penis or whatever. And I remember the production company of the kids show was called Deke, but it was spelled yep. like D I C. And so it would come on when the episode was over and it'd be like, bing, 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 Deke. And then yeah. just, you know, when you're six years old, that's like the funniest thing you've ever heard in your life. We used to lose our fucking minds to that. Every time you heard. Deke. Okay. So that's an American thing too, then. I, I think it is a Japanese oh, like, okay. animation company. Okay, got and, it. And uh, they, yeah, we, oh, we used to laugh so hard at that. Deke. Deke. You know. Yeah. Okay, Deke. good. I'm glad, that's, I'm glad that's not just a Canadian experience, but a more universal one. Okay, so I got a couple David Draymond ones here. This is his pinned tweet, and it is actually a tweet thread. Uh, so bear with me here, Bri, but I know... I know you're going to love this, but this is, yeah. So he's back on Twitter for nine days and this is his pinned tweet. It's like the message he just wants everybody to have. Uh, So here we go. I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. I'm a humanist. I believe in human freedom, autonomy, and progress. I embrace science and reason rather than revelation, though I try not to judge others based on their own personal beliefs. I advocate for human rights and free speech. I personally object to excessive religious entanglement, and I particularly object to the state and the power it wields by sowing fear and division. I believe in unity. I'm pro-peace and coexistence and anti-war and conflict. I believe in free market capitalism and the ability of each individual to achieve their own dreams without the hindrance of or reliance on the state. I believe that we all have the power to make a better future for ourselves and our world. I believe in justice and true equality. I believe in myself. I believe in you. And I believe in the love that can be shared between any two creatures that inhabit this planet of ours, which see saying you could have sex with a horse maybe. Um, and then finally, and I, and I believe with all my heart. Yeah. uh, I mean, you know, 
Yeah. Uh, and I believe with all my heart in the healing, redeeming, and therapeutic power of music and the connection it creates between all people. So let it be written. So let it be done. Devil horns emoji. That's cool, man. He seems like really cool. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, bro, really? So, yeah. Uh, also very intelligent. I it, My favorite thing about guys like him, really, is when they say I'm not a Republican and I'm not a Democrat. Like, that's the only two things. Like, they always think it makes them sound smart. But you're like, dude, that's not like the only two things. That you can be in this world, David. But David thinks it makes him a fucking maverick. It's like all these other people are out here voting for fucking Republican or a Democrat. And I'm just sitting here saying they're all fucking bad. Which is true. Like, if you go through his tweets in the last nine days, there are multiple, multiple instances of of him being like, I was critical of Trump. And now I'm critical of Biden. I don't care what side of the floor you're on. If you're not doing the job, I'm going to criticize you. Which is like... Definitely in that same vein of like smart guy or whatever, where they're like, I don't, it's not about a political affiliation for me. Just do the fucking job. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, uh, he seems like a really smart guy. I wish I could like, I wish he didn't have us block so I could talk to him about some of his political beliefs and stuff like that. <laughs> and just find out like, you know, Hey David, what do you think free market capitalism is? Like, can you explain that? Can you explain what communism is? Can you explain any of that? I would love to dude, my dream. And we said this at the end of the episode we did with Josiah and Sam, but, but the dream really is to interview him and start asking him about like books and fucking cap like just asking him like really simple questions that you know he doesn't know the answer to that he would think makes him smart you know what i mean where you start yes. like just naming books that everybody is supposed to have read or or like you start like let's say like yeah the communist manifesto i did this to my my father-in-law once it's like having an argument with my father-in-law one day about, you know, he's he's like a Trump guy. I'm a I'm whatever I am. And uh, he's he's yelling about communism being this and communism being that. And uh, I was like, I mean, have you ever read the Communist Manifesto? And he was like, I don't have time for that. I don't need to. Know. I know what's going on in the Communist Manifesto. I'm like, it's nine pages, dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, because that's the thing, right? It's like so many of these guys grew up in the Cold War, uh, and to them, like communist just means evil. They have no yep. concept of what communism actually is or means. They don't get that. They're just like, oh, it's just like evil Russian guys. It's like <laughs> it's well, a thousand page book that I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No one's asking you to read Das Kapital. Just start with the Communist Manifesto and maybe work your way up. Uh, you know what drives people? You know what might drive people a little bit nuts about me is uh, I have actually read Das Kapital, and let me tell you, very dry reading. Not as fun as you might think. <laughs> it. Not as fun as the internet makes it sound. <laughs> oh, I mean, I I've only read excerpts of it, but I would not imagine reading it is uh, all that great. Uh, if you want to read theory. Pierre Bourdieu, <laughs> come on a new metal podcast. Pierre yes. Bourdieu wrote. Excuse, a book on- uh, <laughs> ah oui, uh, Pierre Bourdieu. Uh, if you want to read a book about communism, and, it's not communism. Uh, it's Marxism, but it's, uh, yes. it's 
it is actually called distinction and it is about how people use the arts and stuff to project class and like kind of explains that kind of stuff. And I, I like that shit made like a real big difference in my life. Uh, I'll bet you David Draymond's never even fucking heard of Pierre Bourdieu. No, but he no would way. yell at me and he would say yell like he's communist. Yeah. I just would want to make him mad. Like I would want to trick him into saying stuff that's <laughs> not right. You know what yeah. I mean? Oh yeah. Yeah. And that wouldn't be hard. I don't think, I don't no, think it would be hard. I don't think he's read anything, dude. I think he went to college or whatever, and he read whatever, you know, what you guys call it the Coles notes. We call it the cliff notes. Yeah. Uh, he probably did that and probably kind of like, he was probably a lot like me. He's like, yeah, I'm in college and yeah, I'm like, I'm like interested in this stuff. I was interested in sociology, like really. And I was, I was pretty passionate about the stuff I was studying, but I was also in college because I needed the financial aid check. So I would have money and not have to work a real job. Yeah. Well, and, 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 and I think it's just like, it's that type of guy too. That's like, I'm a humanist. It's like, it's just so easy to be like, I just support, I'm just, I love humans, man. I'm just a human guy. And it's like, yeah. Okay, man, whatever. That's really, that's also another thing that dudes like that'll do is they'll like, they'll say I'm a humanist. And then like, when you start bringing up like, hey, you know, defund the police, just for an example, right. they're like, um, as a humanist, I know human nature and everybody would immediately shoot people if there were no police. <laughs> it would be the purge. Have you seen the purge? <laughs> it would but just worse, be that like all worse. the time. Way worse all the time. Yeah, you thought that yeah. movie was fiction? That could be our reality, man. Yeah. Yeah. Because I've had to beat that out of people in my life where I'm like, don't say stuff like that but now everybody's on my side like it's different but in 2010 it is like one of those things but a guy like david draymond secondly another thing after those tweets is like he definitely voted for trump oh yeah like that's a tell that he voted for trump that he said i criticize trump too it's like well i mean you know you could have said i criticize republicans and democrats you didn't have to make a special dispensation for trump but you did because you voted for him you dumbass totally well he's he believes in free market capitalism brian trump was going to turn that all around you know so yeah he also can't say i voted for trump because he knows these guys are the stupid kind of guys that are like i'll turn off 50 percent of all of my fans it's like no maybe point of a percentage of people would be like, I'm not listening to him. (laughs) I mean, when it comes to art, there's so few people don't have convictions in that way. Like some people do, don't get me wrong. Like, you know, and I, and I think there's obviously like different levels of artists being problematic. Um, you know, that would, that would make you not want to engage with their art, but like who an artist voted for is like the very lowest. That's the lowest level where someone on earth might be like, I can't listen to disturbed any, I can't listen exactly. to the ah, 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 cause it makes me think of Trump, you know, like it's, that's the low, it's not, you know, it's not like he did a, he's not like he's a sex pest or he did yep. something where you're like, you know, that for me and for a lot of people, that's the level where people are, would step off of engaging with someone's art. But like there is, yeah, there is like a, a, a rock bottom 
person where it's just like that's the entry level but like you say it's like a point of a percent and also like it's disturbed probably most of them they'd lose more fans if he said he voted for biden than voting for trump yeah, probably 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 <laughs> but you just know he, he i i can't wait i'm gonna i'm gonna really like his politics are kind of like such regular guy to me that i feel like he does really make a good case for like this is like what americans think like i know that everybody on the internet is spending all their day trying to figure out what like americans think and how we can get to them and get them you know to make change and stuff like no like he is what americans think like the things he says are like just very surface level you know he's with the israel israel thing the the zionism he's just like never listened to a person uh he's never had a conversation with a person who like does a good job of explaining what bds is and stuff like that you know what i mean like he's never given somebody a chance to to he's never talked to like a palestinian or something like that so his thoughts I can guarantee none of his thoughts are well thought out. And he's just like sort of a dumb guy that's trying to project as new metals, only genius, which I really believe he thinks he is. Oh, and absolutely. It's, it's fucked up. Cause new metals really only genius is Fred Durst. So, and we've that's has long been the POD cast's uh, credo since episode one. I mean, we did, yeah. we could have done corn oh. on the first episode. We did limb biscuit because, <laughs> Fred what, Durst is our is our genius king. Before before we move to the album, John, do you think we could name the five most genius band people in new like metal? New, like new metal band people? Yeah, yeah, just five of them. Just yeah. So number yeah. one, we've already said is David Fred. Draymond. He's oh well, oh, oh oh sorry, who thinks they're geniuses <laughs> or who are geniuses? Yeah, just people who present as like geniuses. Okay, that, people who present like, as geniuses. Okay. Say, yes, like I'm really yes. smart and yes, and, and like all I can I can give you number one is David Draymond. David Draymond. Number, yep. number two is somebody in Mudvayne. I, I would have to figure <laughs> it's out. It's got to be. It's the bass guy, right? It's got to be the bass guy. Yes. Yes. So the bass guy. Uh, Ryan Martini or Martini or whatever. Yeah. So that's two of them. Number yeah. three, I'm willing to. I think he seems like a dipshit. Okay. I'm not saying he's smart or anything, but I'll. I wonder if Brandon Boyd thinks he's like kind of like an intellectual in the new man. He's world. like, well, he's the, he's the like, uh, like wellness genius. Like the people who think yeah. they're, who think they're smart because they're like, I take 47 vitamins a day and I'm like, <laughs> I'm on like new tropics and all that stuff. And like that, he's like that kind of guy. Like, I don't think Brandon Boyd would be like, Oh, like I'm, I'm, you know, let's talk political theory. Yeah. But Brandon Boyd would be the kind of guy who's like, uh, what oh what when you wake up in the morning like what do you take what do you oh you don't you don't take anything dude okay look i've been on this like ginkgo biloba stuff man and it's like i'm losing my mind oh no now i have to say something that might bum you out a little bit <laughs> do, do you, you take ginkgo biloba vaccine oh no. brandon do you boyd? think he has yeah do you think brandon boyd got the vaccine <laughs> i think so yeah 
Okay. Well, that's great because, you know, those wellness people, it's a real true. Shoot with <laughs> that's true. He seems, though, like like it's more like a fake wellness thing. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like he's he seems to me like he'd be a vaccinated guy. Yeah. Okay. So that's three. Like he he listens to NPR, I think. Is, yeah. Is like, Brandon Boyd is what you're yeah, saying. Sure. Yeah. Like, like that, that kind of guy. guy. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Okay. So number number four, I would have to say. <sighs> okay, so somebody, nobody from the Deftones, nobody from Corn, and and really Wes Borland, number four, is. But I think I Wes think he, might actually be a genius, though. Maybe, maybe that's it's possible. Like Wes um, seems like the he's like one of the only guys, even from the beginning, who was like, ah, this all this stuff is kind of stupid. That's right. Like true. He, he was like the one guy, like even in 98, you know, like like Limp Bizkit was one of the biggest bands on earth. And Wes was never like Wes never got swept up into the bullshit. Wes was never like, yeah, our band is the fucking best in the world. You know, you, you know who I think is actually pretty smart. And it's oh, oh, number four. I got number four, John spider from power man 5000 oh, spider for sure and <laughs> yeah. you know like, what you you said no one from corn and i agree but i think this might be a controversial opinion i think the guy from corn who's the closest is fieldy yeah which like by the no, way, i like think again him not being go ahead i think him not being around really hurt that new song by the way i'm just yeah i think we talked about can, that well, I I just came up with Fieldy being gone, being the problem. I you might have said it and I missed it or didn't think about it. No, later, I like I don't mind the song. I think it was you that said it when we talked about it. I don't think it's bad. I think it's kind of boring, and I think it's because it's missing one of the key things, which is Fieldy. Right, and uh, that's all. And then I just the, think the, I, I think like Fieldy is not um, like again. I don't think Fieldy thinks that he's like really smart. But I think if you talk to Fieldy, he would come across as a guy who's like, I got it all figured out, man. And and I mean, maybe I mean, he d- kind of does. He's in like a famous band. And, but yeah. he's just like he's like a dumb guy who got famous and then thinks that like it was he like he, he did it all himself. Like, you know, it seems like that kind of guy who's like. The sort of like follow, just follow your dreams, man. You could be in corn too, you know, if you just followed your dreams, like, you know. Yeah. And then I think I'll round out number five here. Uh, I don't, I'm not going to say the name because I don't like give names, but, but I think I have enough familiarity with these guys and have read enough stuff of these guys to say, Somebody from Mushroom Head. I knew you were going to say that. The la- yeah, it just because you know when you see what they do, it's like they probably like learned like three French new wave artists, and they sit around and just tell you about those all the time. Yeah. Um. We also you neglected to mention a smaller band, but uh, the the lead guy from Three Teeth. Dr- Three T. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's more modern though. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, he's more modern, but yeah, we uh, we still got to have him on the show. He said he would come on. I think he still donates, so he probably listens. Hey Alexis, if you're listening, what's up? Uh, we gotta get right, you. We, we right. gotta get you on the show. Um, so right. yeah, be- before we get into the album, I just want to. I, I just have to do one more David Draymond tweet because this is just. 
So, so good. Again, he's at this time when this tweet was done, he had been back on Twitter for two days. Okay. And he tweets at post Malone still down for that collaboration, brother, our record or yours. Who'd like to see slash hear this happen. (laughs) <laughs> not me and number one, but don't do that. It's, you have a publicist, my dude. Just, oh my God, John. What? He's got his publicist getting a hold of Post Malone and Post Malone's not calling back, dude. That's why, why would he do it on Twitter when he has it's desperation? I almost yeah. wonder if that's why he came back to Twitter. To do, he's like, you know yeah, what? I got I, an album coming out. He's like, you know what? Post Malone just won't get back to me. You know what? I bet if I tweeted at him. He would be that's that he'd be he'd be good. But then he waited like a couple days. He didn't want that to be his like first tweet back. So he like did a few cannabis and and pro Israel tweets. And then he was like, ah, I got to get the got to get the Post Malone shout out in there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. I'm uncomfortable with that, too. I, I would. <laughs> it's not good. It's not. It I mean, just, Disturbed is you're too big of a band, man. You're too yeah. big of a band to be like groveling to post Malone on Twitter. Ooh, not oh, you're uh, selling enough fucking albums too, dude. You know what I mean? Like your your last album sold a fucking some huge amount. Like you don't need publicity dude and no. like nobody would like a disturbed and post malone song like nobody I know yeah, it's that not for anybody reply to it yeah but i know that people replied to it but i just i feel like it's just do another device album you know just it's <laughs> what the fans do another want device album give us 12 videos describing what the songs are about and that's what we want don't do this anymore so yeah. Oof. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Not good. And uh, I mean, I'll be honest, Brian, not that many people replied. I mean, he hasn't been back on Twitter that long. He only has 4,300 followers, uh, but only four people replied to it. And it Dude. only has three retweets and 26 likes. So I don't think that many. And people one of those really... retweets is, is me, John. <laughs> check the retweets one of them is me <laughs> so yeah so probably half the likes are are because of you most likely <laughs> but yeah yeah he's he is i mean what a fucking dipshit man just <laughs> just as dumb as they fucking come man. i love him i love him i'll watch everything he ever does because like where he's talking yeah i, I really should have bought tickets to go on on Katie's. It was on Katie's birthday. He came and did a speaking engagement here in town. And it was one of very few. And it was a Q&A where you could ask questions. So, like, I had the chance to, to go ask him a question. Yeah. Yeah. And just see him talk like what he would do. With a fucking hour, dude. Like, what would David Draymond do? Because he's not. It's not like he has talking. a. It's not like a book or anything, right? Like, it's nope. not. That's so weird. He's trying to do the like Henry Rollins thing, I guess. Yeah, but he's not Henry Rollins. No, and of course he, not. He's not even. Here's close. the thing: Henry Rollins not even a particularly smart guy. But no, I mean, no, he's no. so far away. He's so far and away smarter than David Draymond. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Huh. That's why I didn't even know he was doing that. Just the idea of David like Draymond speaking engagement is all I need to hear. And just the fact too that he like 
no offense, but like, you know, he's thinking, okay, I, I'm going to do a big smart guy speaking engagement and I'm only going to do three of them. And one of the stops has to be Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> yeah, because he's also like not on tour with Disturbed. So I don't really know why he would be coming through here. I mean, I guess like whatever, you know, I, it is kind of neat that you come through. Maybe somebody got a hold of him, but he was doing like really sporadic dates. But again, it was, uh, uh, my, my wife, like it, it, it was my wife's birthday was the day of the thing. And I just, I couldn't just be like, Hey, Kate, um, (laughs) I know it's your birthday, but do you want to go see David Draymond give a speech? (laughs) Yeah, no, that's, I I think she has to draw the line somewhere. Uh, so speaking of more, yeah, yeah, exactly. I would divorce me too, though. If she came up to me and was like, Hey, do you want to go see David Draymond? I'd be like, let's just, it ain't working out. You know, like (laughs) just gotta, I mean, no, thanks. Uh, well, speaking of maybe also some not super smart guys, Brian, uh, our album this month is, uh, the self-titled debut from Hoobastank, uh, called Hoobastank. And we're unfortunately going to have to say that word quite a number of times as we record this episode. Uh, this is their, their major label debut. They had originally put out a full-length self-released album uh, a couple years prior called They Sure Don't Make Basketball Shorts Like They Used To. Uh, and then they had made a, or they had recorded a follow-up. They were starting to get interest from record labels. They had already recorded a follow-up uh, called Forward. Um, and sorry, originally they had a horns section. So uh, from what you can, from what people say, it's not like uh, ska necessarily, but they had a saxophone player that was a full time member of the band. Uh, when they started to get interest from record labels, they decided to drop the sax parts. We're going to hear a little bit more about that in the interviews later. But uh, once they got rid of the sax, that's uh, they decided to can that entire album and record this one. Uh, so this album came out on November twentieth, two thousand one, on Island Records. It has uh, been certified platinum in the United States, uh, just single platinum. I don't think it sold too much more than a million copies. It took quite a while for it to turn uh, to platinum status. Uh, the album itself peaked at number one on the Heat Seekers albums chart, your favorite, Brian. Uh, and it, peaked, it. At number, peaked at number 25 on the U.S. Billboard 200 and was the 75th highest selling album, uh, according to Billboard in the year 2001. So not a small feat there. Uh, they released three singles from the album, Remember Me, uh, Crawling in the Dark, and Running Away. Running Away was the most successful of those three. Uh, it peaked at number two on the Modern Rock Tracks chart and peaked at number 44 on the Billboard Hot 100. Uh, it also made appearances on the Australia, UK, and Canadian singles charts. Uh, and uh, yeah, so that, that was their most successful song, Crawling in the Dark, uh, a little behind that, peaking at 68 uh, on the Billboard Hot 100. Uh, a lot of people, uh, Brian, were making some, you know, the reason jokes to you when you were tweeting about doing Hoobastank and stuff, but this is not the album with the reason on it. That's the next album after that. Uh, so, Brian, uh, let's just uh, talk about 
um, your uh, your past with Hoobastank. Uh, what is uh, what is it? Were you familiar with them? I mean, I know you were kind of getting out of new metal at the turn of the yeah. century, but uh, was Hoobastank a band that you? I mean, it doesn't sound like a band you would have been into, but were you at least sort of familiar with them? What was your history? Um, no, I, well, I was familiar with them. I knew they existed, but there was no fucking way I was getting in to Hoobastank. I mean, obviously you hear crawling in the dark and, and the reason and all that stuff. And I might even dug the reason. Like I'm a dude that, you know, I like the, the, the sappy songs on make yourself quite a bit. So the reason is maybe even something that I would be like, Oh, okay. That's. That's kind of fucking cool, you know, but uh, I would never buy the album. I would never go see them. And they might even have had such, to use a wrestling term, they might have had such go away heat with me that I might not have gone to a concert that Hoobastank was on just because I might have to see Hoobastank. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. They're like, considering all the bands I liked that were in that sort of uh you know, Hoobastank ecosystem. I never actually saw them, but Dan and I were talking about, uh, you know, before you got on, Dan had mentioned that he went to see them. And I remember this tour very vividly. I don't remember what it was called, but it was Lincoln Park, Hoobastank, POD and story of the year. And it was like a huge tour. And I remember it, it was like an arena tour. Um, it was like Lincoln Park was kind of at their Zenith at that time. And I remember wanting to go because of Lincoln Park. And I liked POD too. Hoobastank, I was always sort of like lukewarm on, but I certainly didn't hate them or anything like that. Um, and yeah, so I was like, uh, that that would have been the closest I ever got to seeing them, but I didn't end up going to that. And uh, yeah, they were a band that I remember really liking Crawling in the Dark. Like I remember when that came out, it was... Uh, you know, I felt like that that's kind of the stuff I was listening to. I was really into Linkin Park and Incubus and, and that kind of thing. So Hoobastank wouldn't have been um, scary to me uh, in that way, uh, but uh, or not scary, but like, uh, I guess more the opposite. They wouldn't have seemed like wimpy to me or anything like that. Wimpy, it wouldn't have yeah. been. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, not scary. I guess I just mean like scared to tell people I listen to them, I think is like what I was thinking of in my mind. But yeah, uh, like kind of like kind of wimpy or whatever, like that wouldn't have scared me away from listening to them. Um, but yeah, I just um, they 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 got me with crawling in the dark and I think I liked running away as well. But I don't really ever remember getting into the album that much. Like I don't ever remember thinking like oh, I, I've got to hear the rest of this. And this was also, Hoobastank were also in that sort of like right in that time period where CD burning was like really like huge. Like that was like a big deal if you had a CD burner and you could burn your own mixtapes and stuff. And so I, I was really just more of a singles guy at that point anyway. So like hearing Crawling in the Dark didn't make me want to listen to the album. And but I liked it. I definitely had it on like a burn CD or whatever. And I remember having a friend that was really, really into them. I actually got him an autographed copy of this album for his birthday. Uh, cause he was like a huge Hoobastank fan. And I think I got it off eBay for like 20 bucks or something like that. But, uh, yeah. So, so for me, I, I just, I remember like liking a couple of the songs, but I was never like a massive fan or anything like that. And I feel like aside from my one buddy, I don't even know if I knew anybody who was just like, yeah, my favorite band is Hoobastank or whatever. It's interesting. I'm, I'm, 
I, once I listened to this, so I listened to this like a week ago and then I listened to it again, right? Like earlier before we recorded like two hours ago. And, uh, as I was listening, I think the thing that was like really fucking grabbing me was like, I have no idea what John's going to think of this album. Really? Because like in my mind, yeah, because I, I actually, let me just tell you what I think, what my reasoning around this is one in my opinion, and I'm not I'm not even gonna give my opinion yet on it, but I would assume that you liked this album now and back then, you know, you didn't you you weren't into it. This seems like a band where but then I started thinking and I was like, remember how he was all scared of corn? And stuff like that, like how how like corn made you nervous. I still am. I still am scared. Yeah, yeah. So, like, then it makes me wonder. Like, these guys would be so friendly to John. Like, they would, they would like, they would feel like comfortable to see. I don't know what they really look like, but they don't seem scary. You know? No. So, yeah. No. The lead singer is a good looking guy. Like, cla- like I, a classically either- good looking dude. I either thought you were going to hate it in the past and then like it now, or you were going to like it in the past and hate it now. And I lean more towards, which I'm wrong about you, you liking it in the past, but I think you liked it now. I think that's so, what I think. So I remember, and, and I remember this being a big, big thing back in the day um, and it's funny because again, I think this is almost like a product of either new metal or just this sort of era. But I remember the big thing about Hoobastank was that they just sounded exactly like Incubus. Like that was like the big, and that was like you kind of made fun of them. Like, oh, they're just copying Incubus. Like, I think in 2022, we don't really care about that as much. It's just kind of like, oh, this band, this band sort of sounds like this band and that's fine. You know, it's like whatever. But back in those days, that was like a big slam on someone, you know, like, oh, like, oh, this band, you know, this band's trying to sound like Nirvana. This band's trying to sound like whoever, you know. And so I remember back in 2001, I remember liking Hoobastank, but I remember that being like sort of the thought was like, oh, they're just copying Incubus and they're just Incubus. And so whatever. And so listening to this album for this episode, I could not get over how much they sound like Incubus. It is crazy. Like it is crazy. It is just like, I don't think I've ever listened to a band that sounds so much like a dead ripoff of another band in my life. Like, and and when you think about how they used to have a sax and they even said like, um, when you read like on the Wikipedia and stuff, they said that like they were super influenced by, um, summer romance, the anti-gravity love song on science. Like that was like a huge, like they were like, Oh yeah. Incubus like had kind of, you know, horns on that song and, and you know, it was sort of funky and groovy. And we just thought that that was like the coolest thing on earth. So they go from sort of like being that kind of incubus copy to being a, like make yourself incubus copy. Um, yeah, it was just like, I don't even know if I liked it or didn't like it. I was like paralyzed by how much it sounded like incubus that I just couldn't even get over that. Like, Am I crazy or is that, did you have a similar experience? I mean, my fucking thing was like, especially after reading the 
the articles. Yes. Uh, which I, I hate to, you know, jump ahead in that no, way. No, I was, I was literally <sighs> just going to jump ahead because I think this quote is huge. So, yeah, go ahead. I, and I don't, I'm, I, I don't think I saved the exact quote, but it oh, okay. does feel like they were saying, like, uh, uh, they said, like, we didn't, like, try to do Incubus's sound. We're just from the same city. <laughs> Oh, yes. So <laughs> I thought that was like a was, really funny way to not say it. You know? It was very funny because, yeah, so this is the exact quote. This is from uh, an Inc. 19 interview, and this is with the drummer of Hoobastank, Chris Hess. Uh, so this is maybe an example of why they don't typically let the drummers give interviews. And I say that as a drummer myself. Uh, so the question is, Hoobastank has obviously been compared to Incubus. And I know you are friends with those guys. Other than sharing a producer, what do you think the similarity is owed to? So yeah, this album was produced by um, Jim Wirt, uh, who also produced um, a bunch of the Incubus stuff. And so Chris responds, we get that comparison pretty much every interview <laughs>, laughs. There's a reason for it, which is that we do sound a lot like Incubus. <laughs> so he just like right away is like, yeah, we do. And but then you're right. He breaks it down in a very weird way. So he says, uh, we do sound a lot like Incubus. Jim's production has a lot to do with it, but I think it has more to do with the fact that Doug and Brandon Boyd both are most influenced by Mike Patton of Faith No More. Plus, we all live in the same neighborhood five minutes from each other, and Dan and Doug grew up with Brandon. So it's the same influences, the same upbringing. I think that if you take out the vocals, there isn't a whole lot of similarity. I just think the singing styles of Brandon and Doug have a lot to do with it. Another thing about Incubus that's helped us it, uh, that's helped us is that on every record they've put out, they always thank us in the liner notes. A lot of kids will take their favorite records and look in the liner notes and see what bands they thank and then go study up on them and buy those records. We've sold stuff in Brazil and Australia and all over the world just from that. First of all, a lot of kids is like, that's doing a lot of work because I did that. But I did that I too, have for sure. Not found a ton of other people who do that <laughs> it was but, like pre-internet uh, that was like a kind of weird way to like find music and i can always remember when like bands would thank bands that you wouldn't even think that they would be friends with or whatever mm. and you'd be like whoa like you know deftones just thanked celine dion like what the fuck madonna you know, like, yeah madonna because they were on madonna's label on, on her label yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah I, I mean i think it's really weird because i'll say this I don't think there's anybody that I hung out with growing up that could do what I do now. That's just all I'm saying is like they wouldn't start if they started a podcast, they it would not sound like Street Fight at all. Right, <laughs> like, right. It wouldn't have any any that the only thing that would have in common is they're both recorded on mics. And like so to say <laughs> We recorded a fucking album. We, oh uh, yeah, you know, it sounds kind of like Incubus because we lived down the street from each other. It just, you just, you know what? I'll, I'll say this. It's actually refreshing because as we've said before, uh, Sully always says that he didn't even know that Alice in Chains had a song called Godsmack. So I guess like I'll give him that much credit, but it really comes off like they saw Incubus at a talent show and then the fungus among us comes out. It sells well enough 
to keep going. And they were like, oh, we got to do this. We yeah. Got <laughs> well, and it sounds like they were friends with them already, right? So it's like you see your friends being successful and then you're like, oh. Okay, sick. Like, I, you see that happen a lot in comedy. Not that people have the same comedy styles, but like a lot of people's story on like how they got into comedy is like they knew someone who did comedy or because I think a lot of people don't even know how to get into it exactly. Like I've helped like 10 people do their first show who are just like, oh, like I've always, I'm 10s, maybe an exaggeration, but five at least for sure. And um, like a former student of mine is still doing it. Like he graduated and then he was like, I've always wanted to do stand up. Like, how do you even do it kind of thing? And I helped him get his first show. And um, like, yeah, I think it's like you kind of, you lean on people, but it doesn't mean that it's going to be, you're going to make it sound the exact same. Like it just kind of seems like they were already friends with incubus. They were like watching incubus from the side stage. And then later that weekend, they went and played a bowling alley for 25 people. And then they were like, fuck, like we, you know, we could be that if we just did the exact same thing. And I mean, I think the, the, the whole quote is really funny because yeah, I think it's insane to say that like, they both were influenced by faith. No more or like faith. No more was both their favorite band. So they sound the same singing wise is insane also. And then to say the music doesn't sound like incubus is absurd. It is yeah. so, cause you can actually like point out, you can actually be like, Oh, okay. That's science era incubus. Okay. That's make yourself era incubus. Oh, that song is just the warmth, but a different version of it. Like it's almost like they're even doing different versions of incubus songs. Like it. Yeah. Like I said, it, it was like so distracting. I've talked about this on the show before, but usually when I listen to these albums, I do it while I'm playing video games. That's where I do a lot of my music listening. I just turn off the volume on the video game and, and then listen to listen to the tunes. And like it was almost distracting me from playing the video game because I was like, fuck, this this sounds like blood on the ground. This sounds like an incubus song. Like, and I think Morning View would have come out like right around this time. So I'm sure they weren't super influenced by that exact song, but it was just like that's the same guitar tone. That's the same this and like and to use the same producer you know, all of that stuff. It's just like, yeah, man, it was so bizarre to me. It really like, it really threw me off just how much they sounded like them. And, and not even like, I wouldn't even say in a like low rent way, like people will make that, you know, Oh, this just sounds like a dollar store version of X thing. I didn't even think it sounded like bad necessarily. It just sounded so much like incubus. It was like just too distracting. I, I couldn't even you, wrap my head you around could- it. You could make every other, you could make, if you did, a playlist where every other song is Incubus and Hoobastank, and people would think it was the same album. There is no totally. way that, that, that you could ever possibly tell the difference, unless you're, because if me and you can tell, can barely tell the difference, then. Yeah, and we're experts. I mean, <laughs> as much as, as much as you can be in this sort of thing, like, you know, I, I wouldn't say experts, but we have listened to a lot of, of new metal. Totally. In the time we've been doing this. And we have a pretty good, uh, uh, basis of knowledge of different sounds. You, you know sure. what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. And like this I is functionally exactly like uh, uh, make yourself or on 
Incubus album, I think. I, I would not say this sounds like... I guess it does kind of sound like science. But, Some of the songs on science for sure. Yeah. Fuck dude. Science is so good. To, for I, sure. I, it doesn't I, sound like as good as science. <laughs> no. Cause I, 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 you know, now that I, let the cat out of the back. I thought this was some of the most generic shit I ever heard in my life. Like I really did not expect it to be, as you said, it sounds like incubus, but it sounds like, like incubus making radio hits. Right. And, and it's none of the songs. Like it's crazy. Right. I will listen to a lot of the albums we listen to and be, you know, paying full attention and getting into it, even albums I had heard before. And I'll be like, hey, you know what? I kind of like this song. Right. And uh, uh, then that becomes a song that I can talk about when we're recording. Like, oh, I, you know, I really liked this song. And uh, um, this album, really, the only songs that made an impression were were Crawling in the Dark and whatever the other single is. I can't Running see what away. I'm saying. Yeah. Running away. Like, they didn't even make that much of an impression on me. And then the only other one that made any impression on me was the last song. And that is because he did an interview where he yeah. said the last song sucks. Where he hates it. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It was really funny. I thought that was so, yeah, that was a, uh, that was a question. There was a Rolling Stone Q and a with, uh, with the lead singer of, of Hoobastank, Doug Robb. And it, that is, to me, also, it's very funny. The article was from uh, 2004. So the album that had The Reason on it, I, I think it's called The Reason. I can't remember. Uh, yeah, it is. Um, so this was an interview about The Reason. But that's such an early 2000s question, you know, to, like, get a musician or, or like, an actor in a room or whatever and be like, what's the worst movie you've ever done? Do you think, you know, like no one, I, I just feel like in 2022, people don't really get asked those kind of questions, but it felt it's a very, so yeah, they just asked what's the worst Huba song. And he said the last song on the first album, give it back. It's a total space filler. And I think it sucks. I felt like I half asked that one. And it's like, I mean, if somebody okay. asked me if there are episodes of street fight, I don't like, I could, Name one, but I, uh, here's what I wouldn't do. Name one that just came out. Like you can do like, oh yeah. On our demo, we had this song yes, that had yes. the weird saxophone guy in it. It just didn't work out. By the way, I, I, I was very tempted to listen to, they sure don't make gym shorts like they used to, <laughs> but. I didn't because it's called they sure don't make gym shorts like they used to. But I was curious to hear what it sounded like with the saxophone, even though the uh, Doug Robb, the lead singer, um, even though he says it wasn't good. I, I still was like, but man, it might be like more interesting than what you actually put on an album. For sure. Well, and apparently they re-recorded so that they had that album forward that they shelved uh, before making this one. And so apparently some of the songs that were supposed to be on forward, they recorded for this album, but just without the sax. And those songs leaked apparently back in the like Napster file sharing days. So there are versions of some of the songs on this album with saxophone. Um, and I would be interested to hear them, but yeah, it was like, 
just to get back to an earlier point that you made, it, it, this is such a weird album to review because it feels like there's almost nothing that sticks out. Like it's like, you know, usually when you and I tackle these albums, there's like a few things we talk about. It's like, we'll talk about songs we really liked songs. We didn't really like the lyrics, uh, you know, stuff like that. And it was like, I didn't really like any of the songs aside from crawling in the dark, which I already like and running away, which I already like. I didn't hate any of the songs. None of, none of the other songs stuck out to me. None of the lyrics stuck out. Like there weren't even like stupid lyrics on here. Like when you see, when you read interviews with Doug Robb, he seems like he might be kind of a dumb guy or just like a, you know, a California bro kind of guy. And there aren't even, you know, like at least with 311, I hated all the music, but the lyrics were insane. So you and I yeah. could talk about the lyrics for like 20 minutes on the show and it was interesting to talk about. But this one just doesn't even have that. And it's also so interesting, like all three singles on the album are front loaded and that's the order that the singles came out in. So Crawling in the Dark was the first single. Remember Me was the second single. Running Away was the third single and they're one, two, three on the album. It's almost, it almost has that like, early nineties album feel where it's like, we, you know, we know you only care about the three singles and then here's some other shit we don't listen to. Like it felt like new metal was sort of the era that was where it start. You started to break away from singles a little bit. Um, and this yeah. just like plays right out of that playbook. And I thought it was so interesting that there's a song that Doug Robb could even identify as being one that is like half-assed filler. Uh, Cause most of the rest of it sounds like that song. Like, when you listen to that song, so yeah, he thinks it's give it back. And I had the same reaction as you, Brian. I was like, okay, I got to listen to this song to see that, like what is maybe half-assed about this. And you listen to it and you're like, there's nothing about this song that feels materially different than any of the other songs. No, no. It, I, I, you know what I started thinking? Lyrics is, is maybe the reason I see um, like that. He thought he personally half-assed the song. Yeah. He's trying not to throw anybody under the bus, but I'm, I'm getting the lyrics up right now. I usually have them up. I don't know why the fuck uh, I didn't have them up. I usually have all the lyrics up. All right, here we go. Here we go now. Oh my God. View five more. Yes. All right. Give it back. <laughs> Um, did not listen to the bonus track. I refuse to listen. To bonus oh yeah. Tracks. I didn't, I didn't do that either. It's just, it's, we don't need to do that. You know, no. No, we've, we sh- Oh God, we've shared our lives and all of what we know, but now it seems you don't know me from the guy next door or the next or the next give it back. We need to give it back. Cause loyalty is something that you lack. I let you in and showed you all of me, but you took it all then trashed the place and I'm sick of cleaning it up. Um, so it's interesting. It's funny. Like, so when I was, 16 17 years old like you know my dream job was to be in a in a band in a, in a new metal band and you know dress real cool and and be like these guys and like i knew that i and i was going to sing because i was too lazy to learn an instrument so i was just kind of like well i'll sing in a new metal band and plus that's the front man and that's the guy that gets all the sex and adulation so i i uh would write songs and i was like write these songs and i'd be like this one's a hit 
But then sometimes I would be like, all right, I think I have like three or four hits. So I just have to make some of those like I didn't have the terminology to say it. Some of those filler songs that are very not specific, but also are just like I feel really shitty about you as a person but not a particular person and it was just that so i would write songs like this at as like a because every album needs filler right <laughs> so yeah I, I was just like well i gotta write a filler song and that's what this song sounds like this song is filler for sure when you read those lyrics it's like oh yeah and it's also like really incubus core to say no more. Where's it at? Uh, the the part about oh yeah, give it back. You need to give it back because loyalty is something that you lack. That's incubus ass lyrics. It's very incubusy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> for sure, for sure. It was like and and I get like I agree with him. I agree that that song is filler, but I also agree that most of the other songs are filler. Like that. That's more the part that sticks out to me. It's not. It's not that it's like, you know, that I disagree with him and I'm like, well, give it back. What a great song. But it's just like there's not anything about that song that's any different. And it kind of reminded me the funniest version of this I ever saw. I saw this live. We were talking about uh, Canadian band Finger Eleven on the Y'all Want a Single that we recorded just before this episode. If you want to check those out, head on over to our Patreon. But um, I... Uh, saw Canadian band Our Lady Peace. I don't know, Brian, if you ever got into Our Lady Peace at all. I'm asking why. Yeah. Superman's dead. I never told my friends I liked it, but I liked that song. Yeah. I I, I like Our Lady Peace a lot. Uh, Their first like four records, I think, are all good. Um, But I saw them perform that record clumsy uh, cover to cover. They were doing like a reunion tour or whatever and or not reunion tour, sorry, anniversary tour of that record. And so the lead singer, Rain Maida, he kind of has a reputation for, you know, being a bit of an asshole, a guy who named himself Rain. I mean, that's really all his his real name's Trevor. And he's just like, my name's Rain now. So Uh, but anyway, he uh the, before every song because it was like the album anniversary and stuff before every song he was kind of giving like a you know a little bit of a like vh1 storyteller kind of vibe and so before they played the song hello oscar he was like uh he was like yeah or no shaking i think it was shaking i can't remember anyway one of the songs he's just like yeah um i fucking hate this song uh, he's like, I've always hated this song. I think this is the worst song we ever wrote. He's like, I remember when we were, uh, it's like, I remember when we were putting this album together and we were putting the track listing together. He's like, uh, I fucking hated this song. And I told them like, it absolutely cannot be on the album. And he's like, I got outvoted. He's like, all the other guys thought it was a great song and it had to be on the album. And he's like, uh, you know, 10 years later, I still fucking hate it. And then they started playing the song. And I was like, Oh, was, was like, it a good song though? Was it Oh, I, I really, yeah, I really like that song. Yeah. I think it's, I, I'm pretty sure it was shaking. He said it was about, and I really liked that song. So yeah, it was just, it was very funny to me. Like you're on stage, you're doing this kind of storyteller thing in front of your band. And you're the one with the microphone just being like, yeah, these guys are fucking idiots. This they song sucks shit. Yeah. Like it was so <laughs> weird. His name is rain, but his, his real name is is Trevor. Yeah, his given name is Trevor, and then he just 
came up with the stage name Rain. I'm pretty sure. Let me double check, but I'm almost positive. I, I, if I, if my name was Trevor, I would 100%. Sorry, Michael. Michael. Born Michael oh, Anthony Michael. Maida. Yeah. Okay. Well, I was just going to pop uh, uh, Dan anyway, so I guess we don't have to go in there. <laughs> I was going to say if my name was Trevor, I would go by Rovert, actually. <laughs> Rovert. <laughs> That's yeah. uh, I loved when they added Roverts to Tony Hawk. I thought that was a really cool uh, move they made. <laughs> but uh, I, I, go I ahead. what was I? What was I? I don't think you should tell people you don't like what you do on stage, especially, especially if you're in a rock fucking band. You know, like come on, man, don't fucking sit around and tell people that, uh, like a motherfucker had to go up on a roof in 20 degree weather while the wind was just fucking whipping by him and, 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 and tear off the old roof. That's made out of like asbestos and it's getting into his skin and fucking expanding. And then you go, then he fucking, he gets home from work. He takes a shower, gets all that insulation off of him and all that stuff. And he puts on his fucking clothes and, and him and his wife, they get in the car and they go to the fucking concert and he's up on stage complaining about his job. I would fucking, I hate that when guys do that. Me too. Me too. I always used to hate the, and I think we might've talked about this before. I can't remember, but I always used to hate. There was like this weird thing that bands did for a while where they would talk about how far they came to be at the show. So (laughs) you had to like respect them. I remember under oath was a big one. I think they're from Jacksonville. I can't remember. They're from somewhere in Florida. And I remember the lead singer of under oath being like, you know, Vancouver makes some noise or whatever. And then he was like, that wasn't enough. Like we came here all the way from Jacksonville to be here tonight. Like make some fucking noise. I'm like, you decided to come here. It's not like I was like, Hey, under oath, get on a fucking bus, drive seven days to get. It's like, this is what you wanted. You wanted to tour. And it's also not like you drove from Jacksonville to Vancouver. You're in Seattle last night. You drove two hours to be here. Don't fucking put Florida on me. You piece of shit. Yeah. Yeah. You fucking. (laughs) And and like, yeah, I, I mean, to be fair to them, like where you live is far away from almost everything. Yes. So like, I don't, I never heard stuff like that because most of the time band didn't have to, tra- band didn't have to travel <laughs> too far to get. Yeah. Maybe it was exclusively a Vancouver thing or they were just mad because they had to go through the border that morning or something. And then yeah. they're like, I feel like, whoa, I remember yeah, or Seattle, like even yeah. Seattle is way up there and you can see yeah. why people would be like, For sure. uh, but that does suck to do. Cause it's like, motherfucker, do you know what I did to you want to hear what I did today? I yeah. fucking, I fucking glued down a roof again. And uh, I had the glue on my hand still when I went to eat my bologna sandwich on the roof and on the white bread, you can see the stains from the toxic glue that I've been slinging around all day. But yeah, go off. I mean, you got to go in a van and drive all the way across the country. That fucking sucks to see the world. I, you know, maybe I've never, you know, been more than a (laughs) hundred miles from my house in my entire life, but go for you. Well, totally. And it's like, I have $200 in my bank account and I spent 40, I spent 40 of that, those dollars on 
coming to this show. <laughs> how about we? Yeah. How about we start with that, man? I took one fifth of my total savings account to come see you. <laughs> how about we start Dude, there? Dude, that is John. That is a hundred percent why I don't like Weezer. Like that, I saw them, and Rivers seemed miserable. Like he didn't want to be there, and he was complaining during the show, and he was bitching out his guitar tech. And uh, I haven't really listened to Weezer since that concert in the early two thousands, like pre two thousand six, probably. So, like that is like one of the surest kind of turnoffs to me. It's like, dude. You're a fucking entertainer. Entertain people, you motherfucker. Like, I, yeah. I'm allowed to complain on a podcast that you're listening to in your ears. I would never go on stage and just stand there and complain. Well, and also podcasts are free. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, we have bonus episodes you can pay for if you want to support the show or whatever. Or you can go see you live when you're touring America or whatever. But it's not. No one's for. This is not. This is a, just a free thing. So if you want to complain, right. you can. And we don't. We're just kind of like, yeah, this is we do it because we love it. And presumably that's a thing that's always with every entertainer. It's like presumably at some point you loved this, even if you don't love it now for whatever reason, like f either find a way to love it or stop doing it. Like, I don't know. It just yeah, it, it seems kind of bizarre to me, but I had take that a same month off. You I had that I'm same saying? Weezer experience. I saw Weezer on the Make Did Believe really? tour. Yeah. Did you? Yeah. So, I saw, so it I've, was the Green Album tour that I saw them on. Okay, they were at yeah. Tenacious D opening. So Tenacious D and Jimmy Eat World were both good. But, oh, wow. That's a show. Yeah. But I'll say this. Also, before I forget, because I did just say Jimmy Eat World, this album did also have... I I was wondering if it was like post bleed American by Jimmy eat world, because I also felt that vibe yeah. mixed with incubus. There's this a bit of uh, felt that way. Yeah. There's a bit of emo in this. I would say for sure. Let me see here. This one came out in November, 2001 bleed American came out in July, 2001. So unlikely that it was well, but super... they had albums before. Oh yeah. Though. Most certainly that's bleed American is their fourth uh, studio album. Uh, yeah, and they were already definitely... kind of a big deal when that came out. Yeah, because Clarity, Clarity was their like major label debut. Uh, Jimmy Eat World, so there could be some some Clarity vibes on here from Hoobastank. But uh, yeah, it's just uh, I, I. So yeah, my Weezer experience, which again, for some reason, I feel like I talked about it on the show, but I maybe didn't. So if I did, I apologize. But um, yeah, I. So it was the Make Believe tour, and they hadn't toured in like two years. Like, I think that was when rivers was going to school and whatever. And, um, cause they put out the green album and Maladwat were like, what, like eight months apart. You know what? We have definitely talked about this before. Cause you got mad at the way I pronounced Maladwat. I remember oh, that sounds like something I get mad about. <laughs> too. So, I do it's remember right. Isn't it? Thank well, that's how Amer that's how Americans say it. Yeah. But, uh, it should be pronounced Maladwat. It's like, uh, it's like LaCroix, like, that's pronounced LaCroix. I mean, let's get serious. We call it here. LaCroix here. No, I, okay. and we do too because that's the way that the company wants it pronounced, but they pronounce it wrong because they're American. I mean, and it's Midwestern. Like the one they're, that always LaCroix's the, Midwestern too. Dude. For sure. The, wor the worst, 
the worst one is the capital of Vermont. Like, I just cannot believe you call it Montpelier. Like, that is just insane to me. And it's named after a guy, Montpellier. Like, it's just absolutely insane to me. They pronounce it Montpelier. We're dumb, man. We're just a fucking big country full of dumb people. You yeah, know? it happens. They don't care. It just, well, I will just say some shit. Like, I, I don't, like, Worcester, Massachusetts is like, feels weird to say. Or like, I hate saying Louisville because it sounds like I love the city of Louisville. It's fucking badass and cool. Uh, very great southern city. But uh, I, until like we toured there, I would call it Louisville because it's spelled L-O-U-I-S-V-I-L-L-E. Yeah. So, and isn't it named after King Louis from France? Like, isn't that the whole probably? Yeah, isn't probably. that the whole thing? So, yeah, it's not Louisville, Louisville. But anyway, yeah, where pronounce is, it? Look, if you're another, from if you're from Louisville, pronounce it however you want to. I'm just saying it is as a Canadian with a bilingual French background. It is very strange to see the way that French names are pronounced in America. I also am really curious about. Uh, Jimmy Eat World to like where are they from because that oh Jimmy also... Eat World they're from Florida I think um, I just Florida. I literally okay. just read oh sorry Arizona 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 pretty close to California yeah they, yeah they I should have known that Jimmy I, Eat World on I literally just read that book about uh, a sellout by Dan Ozzy um, it was really good if you're thinking of checking it out it's like about all it's he, he writes about all these different albums that were the major label debuts for bands and like how different bands dealt with sort of being labeled sellouts or whatever. Oh, that's cool. And, yeah. Uh, yeah so it's about out. like, it's about like do like the first chapters dookie by green day. Cause obviously that's like one of the most famous sellout stories. He talks about, there's a chapter on jawbreaker, Jimmy eat world, my chemical romance. Um, yeah, there's lots of different. There's like 15 at the drive-in. There's like 15 different chapters um, against me. Um, yeah, it was really interesting because it was just like, yeah, all music that you and I grew up with. And we also grew up in the era where selling out was this like big deal. So yeah. um, against yeah. me, like when you listen to Reinventing Axl Rose, which is truly one of my favorite albums ever. But when you listen to it, you're like, there is no way these they were not going to get accused of selling out when you listen to those right. <laughs> to yeah. the lyrics. Cause they just do. It's the same thing with me and Brett is like, we, we lost a certain amount of fans as we started to pick up larger amounts of listeners because we just weren't anarchist enough for a lot of those people. And that's what against me at, at that, like that album is crazy. How right. it, it was like really fundamental for me. Like, just figuring out who I was, but yeah, uh, I'll have to read that, man. That sounds, that's it's like good. right up my alley. Yeah. It's and really good. It's called a uh, long time. Yeah. Sellout by Dan Ozzy. I know you really liked meet me in the bathroom. It's got that kind of, it's not an oral history, but it's got that kind of like insider music 
tinge to it. I, I, I burned through it. I really liked it. Um, okay, well, let's get to the uh, let's get to the articles. Uh, so if you're new to the show, we usually like to cherry pick uh, a few articles from the time period uh, where Hoobastank were giving interviews. We already talked about that one with uh, Chris Hess from Inc. 19. We've got uh, a Rolling Stone Q&A. We've got one from TheVogue.com and one from HipOnline.com. Brian, was there anything that you uh, picked out of the articles? Well, let me just open this with this. We are big Inc. 19 heads. There's a lot of, uh, yeah, yeah. Inc. 19 has some pretty, like, and <laughs> hip online, both of them. They're like websites I've never heard of in my life, and they both landed a ton of new metal interviews. Hip online yeah. and and uh, and Inc. 19, yeah, very good. Uh, so this is my first little thing. Uh, the question is, it's not really a question. It's like more of a conversation. Hoobastank or probably build are probably paired on bills with much crazier hard rockers. What kind of freaky shit have you seen backstage? First of all, you can't ask that, but they're not going to tell you. It's a pointless question to ask. They will never tell you. So here we go. None of us do drugs. I've never even (laughs) smoked a cigarette. (laughs) Like, okay. Oh, I haven't smoked a cigarette in over a month. So eat that motherfucker. Um, Thank you. I feel fucking powerful now that I don't smoke anymore. It yeah, really... just imagine once you're like not sick too, your your lungs are going to be like super powered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I am blaming smoking for me getting sick like this too. I'm just like, yeah, smoking fucked up my immune system. And once it gets all out of my system, I'll be better. Once I don't want to smoke anymore. Because like I was literally just thinking a few minutes ago when you were talking about something like, man, I wouldn't mind smoking a cigarette after I do this show. (laughs) Yeah. It'll be a while Uh, before that goes away. I think. Yeah. He goes, I never smoked a cigarette, never smoked pot. I know that sounds completely pussy. I can barely drink. (laughs) I can barely drink. That line made me laugh so hard. (laughs) Yeah. I, 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 so this is the part. I know that sounds completely pussy. I can barely drink alcohol. I think it's the Asian thing in me. I turn bright red and get fucking wasted after two drinks, but we've been around heavy drugs and it always trips me out. The first time I saw someone do cocaine, I was staring with my mouth open like, oh my God, dude's doing cocaine. I've only seen this in movies. And I'm like, how did you play i mean i guess like this could have happened like in their very early days but it's like i don't know how you could even be in a in a fucking band and not like i'm a podcaster one of the least cool things to be and most of my peers do cocaine (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm a comedian it's same deal you're like, yeah. You, you like, yeah, you start doing comedy. I mean, I was like that too. I mean, I grew up in a, you know, in a fairly like just, you know, middle-class neighborhood. So I'm sure people I went to high school with and stuff did cocaine, but I wasn't, I was never around it. And then it was weird. Like I started doing, cause I think in my mind, I sort of, I mean, not to, I sort of was like, thought this about this or saw, thought about it the same way that Doug Robb did, where I was sort of like, ah, oh, that's like, that's for like rich people or like whatever. And then I got into comedy and it was like, Oh no, there's a lot of poor people that do cocaine. It's probably like (laughs) mostly poor people. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Coke is more for rich people, but it is also, it's just a real good entertainers drug. It's a real good for sure. It fucking really gets you talking. And I don't for comedy. That's a, that can be a big deal. (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah, but I don't think it makes you more funny at all. Like, I think it makes you more annoying yeah. to be around certainly. every day. Most certainly, <laughs> but, yeah. But yeah. Uh, I just found that was really funny because, and I wonder if they're still not doing drugs. <clears throat> like, very Probably. interested in that. They seem like but that. They, they talk about it a lot, that they don't do drugs, and that's like a big thing. Then they ask, who was that? And he says, let me just tell you that lots of bands do cocaine. Like, he's fucking... <laughs> Really, sir? It's everyone. Wow. It's everyone. It's just not us. We're the only band who doesn't do it. That's what we're trying to get at. <laughs> and a lot have strippers all over the place. We don't attract the strippers. And that bums me out sometimes. One, that's bullshit. That is such bullshit. Yeah, he's like, a really good looking guy such... that's fronting a rock band. You telling me you couldn't have strippers around if you wanted? This is such a band that gets hot girls. Like, oh, there's just... for sure. Big yeah. time, big time. If you <laughs> don't know, if you don't know what Doug Robb looks like, Google him. It won't. It's easy. It's like Brandon Boyd. It's the same thing. He could be a model. He's there's no any. You know, he puts on a slouchy toque and goes. I'm in a band. You know, it's all over. Like yeah. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So he goes and he goes. Uh, they want the guys with the tattoos, like in saliva. Bands that wear lots of leather, strippers smell leather, and they come running. And I was like, oh, that sucks, man. <laughs> that sucks. Everything well, you just said there fucking sucks. Well, he. so this is the thing that I think I learned about, about Doug Robb, at least. Maybe not the rest of the band, but Doug Robb really wants to be like funny lead singer guy. Like that's like what he's really going for because you can tell like he's he's kind of trying to make that joke there. Ooh, strippers smell leather and they come running and then he makes a really stupid joke to start this Q and A. So this is the the Rolling Stone Q and A. That's also where Brian's quote came from. And the first question: Does a band's name matter? Doug Robb answers: Apparently not. If Hoobastank didn't stop us, what are your favorites? Soundgarden is an especially awesome name, and Alice in Chains. I think Stone Temple Pilots is a stupid name. You know what's a horrible band name? Clay Aiken. Oh, my God. Eat shit, dude. You know what? <laughs> Clay Aiken is a better name than Hoobastank, number one. No number question. two. Yeah. Come on, man. You named a, I, I mean, I guess he's got a point. Like, they named an album they sure don't make gym shorts like they used to and they're called hoobastank but it also feels like they tr they're trying to be like mischievous with the name hoobastank where it's like we know people are gonna ask us like because you know when you're like when you do like entertainment I keep saying entertainment like over and over again because it's like I don't want to compare myself to Hoobastank or whatever because they're they're much they're on such a different level you know but like I know that like when I was a kid and even a teen and even for the you know years leading up to launching Street Fight and it sort of hitting and and becoming my job like I was like Okay, here's how I'm gonna be if I uh, uh, if I get famous, you know, or if I get if if I get an audience, here's how I'm gonna act and I'm gonna do all this stuff. So a lot of his interview questions came off a, like really rehearsed, and it's like because strippers smell leather, and then start coming to you or coming whatever that would have been a funny one though if he's like strippers smell leather and they start coming and it's like well that's okay <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> yeah 
But he's probably, he's not, you know, he's probably never cummed before. He doesn't come off as a guy that comes either. So, I'm going to disagree. Well, because even, with- he even signs off the interview with, uh, so yeah, it's, he says, strippers smell leather, they come running. The next question is, I heard you might play the croc weenie roast this year. Wear some leather. And then he just says, I'll bring my baseball mitt. Yeah. And also, like, <laughs> again, this is, this at the time this hit and just this type of music, this is like hot girl music. This totally. Is definitely oh, like they wrote the reason, man. See. You kidding yeah. me? <laughs> yeah. 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 He's totally. So full of shit, man. They're doing. And that makes me think it's like with David Draymond, when he said, I, I criticize Trump more. I think he doth protesteth too much or whatever that saying is. Cause it's like, he is messing with strippers. He might not be doing drugs. <laughs> Because they, he does come off as like pretty square, but he's got to be having he's having sex. It's not a Christian metal band. He's not no, waiting. Well, especially you know? especially earlier in the interview, he sort of referenced that. He's like the the guy said. Uh, the interviewer says eleven of twelve songs on the reason are written about a person referred to as you. Who is you? And then Doug Rob laughs. Well, you doesn't pertain to one female, but lots of females in my life. Hell yeah, yeah. I, I bet it That's does. And then the other, the other really, this, this one, this quote got me. And I felt like, Bri, this would have been one that maybe you would have focused on because you love when guys just come across as like, oh, I would hate to be around them. Like I would hate, they seem like they'd be oh, insufferable. Yeah. So this is one here. The question is, what music from your childhood do you still spin? And he answered, Faith No More is my favorite band of all time. I listen to those records constantly. All the old Van Halen stuff from the David Lee Roth years. The first concert I ever went to was David Lee Roth's Eat em and Smile show at the Forum in L.A. I actually met him at a VMA after party in 2002. I saw him trying to make his moves on this girl. I'd heard so many stories about how cuckoo he was, but he was a really kickback, gracious guy. I told him I was working on my karate kick. Yeah. Oh God. And so you're just like, first of all, he's like selling out the guy, right? He's like, Oh, he was trying to put the moves on this girl. And he, you know, everyone says he's a, he's fucking crazy, you know? And then, and then, you know, imagine that like you go, you meet this guy and you're like, Hey man, I'm working on my karate kick. Like I bet David Lee Roth loves hearing that he's thrilled to hear that. Yeah, yeah. If I met David Lee Roth, I, I, I would try to be as cool as I possibly could be. By the way, David Lee Roth, get well. I hear he's, you know, not doing well. All but right, uh, get well. Uh, DLR, we love you. You know, that that really was like a virtue signaling thing I did. There. Like, <laughs> hey. Hey, get know. well. Speaking of DLR, get well. <laughs> Please, uh, my thoughts and prayers are with uh, the, the Lee Roth family, the Roth family. Uh, <laughs> you know, Lee obviously. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Can I ask you about this, John? Yeah. This is this is the last article thing I'm I'm kind of okay. interested in. Or yeah, I'm, I got I got one more too, so that's perfect. Additionally, on June fifteenth, two thousand nine, the band played a prank on Iranian protesters and their supporters during the two thousand nine Iranian election protest and the uh, shock image um, protests along with the popular web 2.0 service Twitter and the sh- stock image of Goatsy 
uh, featuring a naked man he explains what it is. While thousands of protesters use <laughs> Twitter to rapidly spread information on street level protests, uh, and then you know, I guess they shared goatsy to them. They don't even like put the tweet in there. So I just like, did you find that fucking weird too? Like, is is who's yeah. thinking the CIA? They might be. They might be. That's they why they're named Huba Stank. Like Hoobastank feels like a CIA band name. It's like um, it's like I remember um, I grew up with the guys in Tokyo Police Club, and um, so so they're buddies of mine, and and uh, they were on Desperate Housewives because uh, I guess their manager knew like the producer or something of Desperate Housewives, and there was like this episode where the guys in desperate housewives were like forming a band and they were playing some battle of the bands and they asked Tokyo police club to be the sort of like cool bands that like, you know, fluffs them off or whatever at the battle of the bands. And they wouldn't let them be called Tokyo police club. So they forced them to be called cold splash. <laughs> they're like you can't use your, they're like we, we we can't use your name on the show because then we'd have to pay your label or whatever it is and so that they're like we have a band name for you like they didn't let the guys come up with something different they're like yeah you're gonna be called cold splash and they had to be like <laughs> how does that oh, okay. even help how does that I, I, help I, at all <laughs> i think they just almost did it as a favor they were just kind of like oh, oh yeah. whatever we get to be on desperate housewives that's kind of funny um, yeah that's not a big deal that's pretty cool i but I it was say- just like it reminds me of that like hoobastank feels like a cia think tank being like what's a name that like the kids would think is cool and also sort of one thing hoobastank does kind of i know i know it doesn't Suit rhyme or anything, but Hoobastank does have incubus vibes. And you could see at that time, like if the CIA wanted to do a band, I mean, incubus was one of the most popular fucking bands out there. They, yep. And the C, it's not like the CIA is going to hire, like, it, it's not like they're going to go hire, like, people that are like corn they're gonna do the most middle of the road thing and then now they're sabotaging iranian protests which is kind of a little makes so yeah it looks like they're feds actually yeah hoobastank that's gonna P-O-D affect cast. their score with me yeah you've heard it here first hoobastank <laughs> are the feds uh this is my last one and i thought this one was really funny this is from the hip online uh, interview and this is from 2002 so the reason hadn't come out yet and it, this actually kind of reminds me of the Our Lady Peace thing where Doug Robb uh, is being interviewed and really just kind of throws the whole band under the bus in like a weird fucking way um, so we had talked earlier about them having a sax player uh, so the the interviewer was asking about you know about that and getting rid of the sax and stuff and so the interviewer asks how did the change in style happen Doug Robb, I was never a huge fan of the horns anyways. It's something my guitar player was really into because he's a huge Chili Pepper and Fishbone fan. So he's into this funky wild shit. And then the interviewer was like, even the Chili Peppers bailed on the horns. Doug Robb, right. And there wasn't one band that I just listened to that had horns. Like, I've never liked them. Interviewer, me either. Doug Robb, when we started off, we had such funky shit, but he was the most experienced guy. But I was always into heavier music like Pantera or Tool, more rock stuff. We had a hard time. I couldn't get the guitar player to step on the distortion, but slowly it started changing and I took a more active role in writing. Actually, everyone but the guitar player was into heavier stuff. At this point, I felt like we were writing music for the kids and it wasn't gratifying. It got the crowd going and that was it. 
One day I brought it up that we had to get rid of the horns because it wasn't working. At this time, we were writing music where there were no parts for the horns. The guitar, bass, and drums always came first. Our sax player never showed up for rehearsal because he was this really talented musician, so he didn't have to show up really. But he had an ego and he didn't want to practice, so he'd come to practice once before a show and learn the parts. So we'd write all this music and the song would be done, and then we'd sit there and be like, damn, we got to write sax for this now? I mean, we did this for like a year or two, so we just put these sax parts in just because not to make the song better, but because he was in the band. So after a while, we knew that if we were going to do it right, we had to do it for the music, not the guilt, which just seems to me like he's being like, yeah, my guitar player is a fucking idiot. Ask this sax guy to come in. And it was a fucking waste of time. And I hated the sax guy. And I kind of hate my guitar player also. He did not like that sax guy at all. <laughs> no, no, he hated the sax guy. I mean, if you're a Fed, though, he probably... The, <laughs> now the just CIA, the are the Feds in your mind, 100%. Yeah. The fucking CIA would be like, the saxophone's not working, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> uh, they might have even... Yeah, they wrote the songs. The reason probably is some kind of activator like a manchurian candidate gimmick so <laughs> i do i think they're feds now after messing with iranian protesters that's a odd thing for a band to do and uh look if i've been accused of being a fed then they can get accused of being a fed <laughs> no question uh well brian we're here at the uh the review portion of the show the tweet defense uh portion so if you've never listened to the show before uh we give the album a score we call it the tweet defense score. Uh, this is where uh, if someone were to tweet at you and say this album sucks, how many tweets would you do uh, to defend this album? Uh, Brian, uh, is this going to be one of your lowest scores ever? Well, I would just say that like it's really hard to give this a low score because it is all in all not bad. But yeah, I, w- I would probably say three in that like Wow, that something- is low for you. But something that's boring to me, that's the worst crime that you can commit yes. in, in music or art or anything. Like, I I like bad stuff, like stuff that's, like, really bad. I'm like, yeah, that's, you know, I'm into that. But, like, I don't. I I don't like boring stuff. It's got to be really bad or really good. And that's fucking it. Well, for sure. And I think that uh, I totally agree. And and I think that, uh, you know, you, like we go back to albums you've given a good tweet defense score, like Disturbed tops the list, right? So Fuck yeah. that, that show, and you don't really like that album. So, uh, like from really. a music, yeah. So that goes to show just how, how much the entertainment value plays a role with you. Um, yeah, I think I'm giving this one a two. Um, I think I can, like I said, I can defend both crawling in the dark and running away. Um, but then after that, I sort of, uh, I sort of run out of steam. So yeah, it was not, uh, cause the, the problem is if someone was to say it sucks and you're like, no, it doesn't crawling in the dark is pretty good. If they tweeted back, well, they're just an incubus ripoff. Well, then you're done. You don't have anything else yeah. left. You're like, yeah, you're right. I guess they are. So yeah, I can't defend it anymore. So yeah, two from me, three from Bry. So that's that combined. That's probably the lowest score an album's ever gotten. Um, so yeah, it's the Hoobastank. They're making history. Uh, if you want to help us make history, you can head on over to patreon.com slash the POD cast. And that's cast with a K uh, where a $4 donation gets you access to three bonus episodes every single month. We do two 
Uh, shorter bonus episodes are usually about 15 to 20 minutes long where we review a new metal song. Uh, and those are all chosen by you, the listeners. You can donate uh, to get us to listen to a particular song if you like. Uh, and then we do one full length bonus episode. And I think Brian and I feel like the one we did in December, one of the best bonus episodes we've ever done. We reviewed Dark Complex's uh, 2016 new metal album, Point Oblivion. And we had the lead singer from Dark Complex join us, Vincent Void. Um, and he was just awesome on the show. And uh, we had a really, really good discussion about new metal and what it was like is he's quite a bit younger than Brian and I. So it was really interesting to get his perspective and also to hear about, uh, you know, the way that uh, major labels these days uh, deal with and talk about new metal. And it was just a really great chat. So you can head on over to patreon.com slash the POD cast to check that out. You can also follow us on Twitter at the POD underscore cast. Uh, and uh, it's always great to follow us there because that's where we do all of our polls and our challenge voting and everything like that. So if you want to participate in those, and we're going to tell you about those coming up right after this, uh, that's where you that's where you hit us up. So Brian, uh, we are here at the challenge. Uh, I will update uh, the score here. Last month, uh, we reviewed Papa Roach's Infest, which had a very bizarre opening lyric uh, to start off the album. And so the challenge was to write the opening lyric of our own debut new metal album. And uh, I was victorious in that challenge, Brian. So uh, I now have taken over the lead. Uh, we were tied. Oh, no. uh, we were tied and uh, I now have 14 wins. You have 13 wins and we have one tie. Uh, so it's been a while since I've been in the lead. You went on a hot, uh, you went on a hot streak. You won like six months in a row. Uh, and so we are going back and forth between you being in the lead and us being tied, but I've now taken back over the lead. So we'll see if you can, uh, take back over the lead now with this much, this month's challenge, which of course, uh, a lot of people very much hate the band name Hoobastank and think it's maybe one of the worst band names ever. And so, uh, Brian, the challenge this month is to come up with the worst possible band, one word, nonsense word, band name uh, that you can. Uh, what did you come up with? All right. I want to first say uh, uh, I'm taking a dive this month. Number one. I'm you just going to say that. Okay. Yeah, because this is only going to be funny to people that have listened to this show or know about Yehubastang. Because number one, I can't. I all I would want every time I try to come up with a nonsense word, I would be like, that still sounds like Hoobastank, you know, because like there really is hard. something about this that there is something about Hooba. It's like it's very hard not to think of something that rhymes with Hooba or sounds like Hooba to start it. I totally agree. Anyway, continue. Yeah. sorry to interrupt. Uh, so my band name is, is all one word <laughs> and uh it's called Doug Rob. <laughs> nice. Just Doug Rob. D-O-U-G-R-O-B-B. Doug Rob. So, you know, what's very funny about that is in Canada, <laughs> there was a boy band in, uh, there was a boy band that was really popular in the age of boy bands and they were called Before Four because uh, there were three of them in the band and it was stylized lowercase b number four hyphen four. And it was pronounced before four. Uh, and they were three guys named Ryan, Dan, and Ohad. Uh, and then, uh, you know, after the boy band era ended, 
uh, Ohad left the band and Ryan and Dan are, are um, identical twins, uh, identical twin brothers. And they started like an adult contemporary project. And the name of it is Ryan Dan. All one, Dan. All, yeah. all one word, all with the D capitalized. So it's just Ryan Dan. <laughs> The name Doug Rob made me feel good. I'm just going to tell you the name of the lead singer being Doug Rob. Really, yeah. I was feeling that name. Hey, I'm yeah. Doug Rob. Yeah, it sounds like two Canadian guys having a beer at the bar. <laughs> yeah. I'm Doug. I'm fucking Rob. Uh, <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, okay. Well, I went the opposite way because, uh, the name Hoobastank makes me feel uncomfortable. Uh, so I combined two words that also make me feel uncomfortable. And I know particularly the last part of this makes people feel uncomfortable as well. And, uh, my band is called Tribby Moist. Ew. <laughs> that sounds gross to me. Yes. So does Hoobastank. That's what I was trying to go for. Cause I always, I, I remember kind of when I found tribby out that like moist. tribby moist. Cause like, yeah, that tribbing is like scissoring. Right. And I remember like, yeah. and I remember finding that out and I was like, that's just the worst name for anything that I've ever heard. Uh, so yeah. So I went with tribby moist. So uh, Ugh, Dan, Dan, gross. I actually feel like I've made Dan uncomfortable and yeah. I've done like 250 podcasts with Dan. It's very hard to make him feel uncomfortable. Don't yeah. like this one. <laughs> You're talking I mean, about scissoring. <laughs> yeah. Scissoring's cool, man. I yeah, remember that sounds first, sick. Yeah. When I was a kid and I would see, well, first of all, I'd be like, why aren't they scissoring? Because I thought that's how lesbians <laughs> had sex with each other. Because we weren't as hip to that stuff when I was no. a little boy. Oh. So I was like, yeah, they just, you know, they, they bump vanges with each other and maybe they touch the titty on the vagina it's oh, like that's okay. what i just thought lesbians did <laughs> sure sure <laughs> oh my god okay well uh <laughs> so that so there it is doug rob and tribby moist uh, are the two band names and we'll see which one you think is is worse uh so yeah again you'll be able to vote on that uh, towards the end of the month before we release next month's episode and uh this is of course uh the most famous part of the pod cast episodes it's the poll <laughs> Uh, so this is where Brian and I will nominate two albums each, and then we let you, the fans, decide on which album we cover next month. And this is how we ended up covering Hoobastank, because Brian quote tweeted the poll and was like, please vote for Far," And then everybody voted for Hoobastank. And then it was really funny to me. You were still up, like you never do this. Sometimes you've, you've tried to like fudge the polls in the past, but sometimes you will you'll, you'll like, you, you will never, you never go at it twice. Like you'll just do one quote tweet. You'll be like, please vote for whatever. Um, this time you actually went at it twice. You were like, yeah. please, I, Hoobastank's in the lead. Please don't make me listen to Hoobastank. And then the percentage on Hoobastank rose by like 7%. So because my, the people that like me really like owning me. That is like <laughs> to be a fan of Brian is to make him uncomfortable as often as possible and make fun of him. That's cyberbullying, really. I'm like a real cyberbullied like guy. And, you know, it's just it's a miracle I even hang in there. So it is. It is. And you do you do so well, Brian. So I uh, I appreciate I appreciate you and I appreciate that. So this is the poll. Uh Brian uh 
what are your two first of all do you have a theme and then uh if you do or don't tell us what it is and then and then tell us the albums okay so the theme is heaven and hell okay okay like that first album is drowning pool center oh second album is pod the fundamental elements of south town You you are on such a roll of picking albums that I have also picked to put up in the poll uh, oh, because really? I also had the fundamental elements of Southtown on my list uh, because my theme was debut albums of bands that we've done the second album of. So uh, so we've already done satellite, oh, but we hadn't done the fundamental elements of Southtown. But that's okay. I'll I'll come up with something else. So you might first- have one. If you have a safety one, I think you might have one. I was gonna pick. Just I don't. I don't them, have I just, a. I I'll don't have you. a. Sa- I don't have a safety. Oh, one. okay. I didn't know if you had a say. If you had a safety one, I thought you were gonna pick adrenaline because I almost picked adrenaline. Oh, yeah. We haven't I done Deftones to in a minute. We haven't done Deftones in a minute, but maybe we'll maybe we'll park yeah, Deftones we're for a minute. Spread them out a little we bit. We gotta because, spread man, them out. You, you put Deftones in there, and they're winning. They're winning. You know? They're fucking winning. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So. You know what? Uh, you know what I will do, Brian, is I will I will put up the the first one that I was thinking of, which we we covered their second album, but we did not cover their first. And that is uh, Dysfunction by Stained. Yes, uh, because, you know, that that's <laughs> actually so excited. You were so excited for that. You're like, yeah, what's up? Yes, and then it's a 25 minute album, too. <laughs> it is. Uh, is it? Is it that short? It's, it's like six songs. Oh, fuck. Yeah, that was a really good idea by me then. (laughs) (laughs) I'm super smart. Uh, Let me see if there's anything else that fits the theme of albums we've already covered. I don't think there is. Uh, 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 Oh, it's 10 songs. They must have added songs from when I I was younger. I have actually. I do actually have one. Um, So this keeps with the theme. Uh, We covered their second album, but we didn't cover their first. And we haven't covered them in two years, exactly two years. I'll put up uh, System of a Down, self-titled first album. Okay, yeah. There's nothing. That's winning, number one. Maybe. Uh, Maybe. People people love System of a Down. But they also like to punish us, and they know how much we hate P.O.D. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, P.O.D. honestly is probably the most fun out of these four. I mean, like stained if, might stained could win too, man. I mean, people people yeah. really jumped on the first stained one that we did. I think one thing we know is that drowning pool is not winning. Yeah, drowning pool is not popular when we put them in the polls. But that uh, album actually rips. So you know, if you go out and listen to Sinner, you might like that one. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, dysfunction is eight songs. Well, it's nine songs technically. This is such a new metal thing, though. The album is 56 minutes long because <laughs> the, the, the last track on Dysfunction is called Spleen. And then it just says in, on the Wikipedia, Spleen ends at 4.38. Following 11 minutes and 45 seconds of silence is a hidden track called Excess Baggage. Yeah, I really love that. I, I, I love Dysfunction. And I also, I mean, the, the two that, the two I picked, like, like I said, POD to me is the funniest option, and like, uh, uh, Drowning Pool is probably the worst album out of these. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, Stained or uh, System of a Down, not not 
too bad of choices. And again, people love System of a Down. And yeah, they, we'll see. They, they probably forget that we were so down on them when, when we did Toxicity. I mean, I defended them, but like also we were like making fun of them and saying some of the stuff like had filler and some of it sucked and stuff like that. Yeah. So, <laughs> so we'll, we'll, yeah, see. we'll see. We'll see how it goes. So yeah. Some, some great options on the poll this month uh, for you to pick. So again, you can head on over to our Twitter at the POD underscore cast. That's cast with a K. If you want to be able to vote in the poll that usually goes up uh, as well towards the end of the month. So keep your eye out for that. And again, if you want to donate to the show, you get three bonus episodes a month for four bucks. It's the best deal in podcasting. Head on over to patreon.com slash the POD cast. Uh, that's it. We did it. We made it to the end here. Who Who knew? Uh, thanks everybody for tuning in. We'll see you back here next month. Bye.